This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. Steve is and Doug are making me laugh on, on set before we record. And we figured we're trying to switch it up lately. Like We're doing ads different, we're doing the intro different. And I think Steve should just fire off this episode with a veteran shout-out. We absolutely should. We are mixing it up. I can't ever get Kurt to laugh on the podcast. I get him to laugh off the podcast, so we better change that one up. Last week, <laughs> I... because uh, you can't say what we say off the po- on the podcast. <laughs> I guess That's that is point. true. <laughs> <laughs> Last week, I tried to do a vet shout-out, and I didn't have the second part of the email, but I want to read it right now. Uh, Crystal, this is uh, just for you because you sent a couple of emails, and I want to get this one. So the vets, uh, who we shouted out last week was Kyle Mend- Mendiola. I, I still can't pronounce that right. But this is a, this is a really cool one. So uh, Branch was United States Air Force, and she writes, I would like to nominate my husband, Kyle. And it was so awesome that she wrote that, but I still can't read it. Mendiola. She gave me a pronunciation, but I still can't read it right. For a veteran shout-out, she said, I met my husband. We were both stationed in Bellevue. Oh, well, thank you for your service, too. Nebraska at the 55th Security Forces Squadron. She said, um, while my husband was in, he did a tour in Iraq doing QRF for convos and a few short TYDs to Afghanistan. He flew security with the Secretary of Defense Robert Gates, Secretary of Defense Leon uh, Panetta, where he traveled to 26 different countries. He flew for three straight, three years straight, usually gone about 20 to 25 days each, he served from 2007 to 2012. Good Lord. After he was done with his uh, contract, they both decided to separate from the military and start a family. So fast forward, they have a five-year-old daughter and a 16 month old son. He's an amazing father, and he always listens to your podcast. All right, well, thank you, man. Very cool. He listened awesome. to it for three months straight at work. <laughs> From your first podcast, oh no, the most recent. Oh <laughs> wow, dude. thank you, man. man That's this incredible. Dude, dude, this dude is dedicated to. <laughs> we appreciate that. 
And she says, uh, I know because it's all he's talked about. We often listen now while we uh, road trip for hours. Um, him, her, the daughter, and uh, the daughter started listening to. Because um, she her, had dude, to. Oh, boy. <laughs> because, hey, what's she going to do? She's going to be like, no, Dad, play Miley Cyrus, which is actually probably better. Yeah, for sure is better. <laughs> I thought, dude, this is a long one. This is cool. So this part's really cool. He took our daughter bow hunting with him uh, last winter, and they had fun. But it just got too cold for him. Just recently, they went turkey hunting with his bow, and his hut, her, he, Kyle, taught her. I'm, I'm just going to start reading it. I'm sorry. Dude, you're a terrible her, reader, I, well, man. Well, because I'm trying to. I'm Did you graduate to, fourth grade? No, God I'm trying damn to do it. Like, quit adding in stuff. You don't graduate read. fourth grade. <laughs> just check it. <laughs> My husband taught our so daughter to. <laughs> My husband taught our daughter to use a, I think it's called a slate call, and she sounds pretty good. They sat out during the morning, and once they heard the birds responding to their calls, she was hooked. They're still trying to get a Tom, uh, but I know they're having fun. So I just pur- purchased a few items for, uh, for him since he missed you guys at the Wisconsin Deer Show because he had to work overtime, and he was really bummed. Thank you for giving me this opportunity to recognize him, and he'll be so surprised you picked him. Hey, you know, he got it two weeks in a row, and surprise, surprise, come up and see us in Wisconsin at Deer Fest in October, or, uh, August. August. Second through the fourth, I think. Second through the fourth. So I wanted to get that out of the way. I'm sorry, guys. I am a bad, bad reader, um, and I apologize if I butchered that. But, Kyle, thank you for your service. Thank Crystal, you, Kyle. You too. You. We really appreciate that. I, I'm, i I'm, like, super humbled. that. Like, I got to thank these guys, uh, Kyle especially, for bringing out that Steve has the education of a fourth grader. Uh-huh. So that's pretty awesome. But thank you for your service. And he started from the first podcast. Yeah, oh, dude. God. Oh, so he knows. Oh, like, yeah, he's like, surprise. I know this guy can't read. Oh, yeah. That's probably why he was, you know. He's probably hoping Kurt read it for him. Yeah, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but Kyle, Maybe thank you. get lucky and Kurt will read this veteran <laughs> shout-out. <laughs> but, dude, we, we really appreciate your service to this country, and uh, I apologize about the butchered one last week and then this one. But um, we're going to do another one here because we do want to do a vet every week. Do, do we want to save it? Do we want to? Yeah, okay. No, I want to give pretty. I want to give everyone their own spotlight. All right. That was yeah. cool. I like that you did the follow. Let's save that one. Get that one and and we got it coming up. Put it okay. put it in the line. We we got we got it coming up. So I want to I want to give everyone their own shout out. Put it okay, in the, yeah, put that's it in the a, that's that's a better idea, guys. We will uh we will do that vet uh shout out so, next week. Thank you everyone for your service. Uh if you submit a veteran shout out, working class bow hunter contact tab, boom, it's right there. Um the podcast is presented by HHA Sports. Very proud to have them as our new title sponsor on the show. Um, Y'all know single pin sites, lifetime warranty, American made. They support our veterans and use code WCB15 to save yourself some cash. Uh, Also uh, brought to you by Scent Crusher. And we've been talking about Scent Crusher for a long time. Last year, they were our title sponsor. Still one of our our really good friends, Dan Drake, the whole Scent Crusher family. Mm -hmm. Absolutely love them. It's the most convenient scent elimination for your hunting. So check out scentcrusher.com. Also, North American Whitetail Championship. If you think you're that big buck killer tough guy and you're at the bar every weekend bragging about how all the bucks you passed and the one you killed, well, nut up or shut up, big boy. Yeah. Let's go. Probably sitting there sipping a white claw like, yeah, dude, I kill monsters. Yeah, ride the wave, bro. right? NAWTC.com. <laughs> Use code WCB25. Save yourself some cash there. And you get like a $400 prize, well, an entry fee package with the Tacticam and all sorts of gear. I think I might do it this year. 
Yeah, you know you won't. Um, the, <laughs> I, I said I think I might. I was thinking about joining the dream team with Austin. And oh, Austin. dude, yeah, dude. we need to start the dream team. Because uh, you can do teams now. That's awesome. And yeah, you can I want to be on that team. If you win. No, um, not. <laughs> it's not the dream team. It's <laughs> a nightmare team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Podcast also brought to you by Thermoseat, uh, Victory Archery, Element Outdoors. Um, basically, they have their own camo patterns and clothing on a budget that anyone can afford, man. Top-notch quality stuff. Um, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. So Lone Wolf Custom Gear. I've been playing with that new... Well, one, the DeQuisto Series 1.0 stand is out of this world. Like, it, that's the stand. I think that stand is just as important as your bow when it comes mm-hmm. to trying to kill a big deer I now. Agree. It's going to change the way I hang stands this year. It really will. And next few weeks, look out for their, um, I'm doing the finger quotes, saddle platform and setup coming out. It's going to be Ooh. fucking badass. And sorry to drop the F-bomb on you, but it's that good. Also, the trail camera, I just got done messing with this thing um, over last weekend. I played with it all weekend, doing video stuff and all that. Um, it's called the Undercover. That thing, any inconvenience you've ever had the trail camera, they covered it on this they made it better they awesome. the leveling system there's tools built in the back so you can you can hard mount it to a tree if you want you can lock it up um it's wi-fi to your phone so you don't need any more shitty card readers um i could go on and on <laughs> dude yeah. i hate when i have to take my case off to put my card reader in yep. and if you and if you got an iphone too like you got to get the extended dude Dude, I sat, I sat there and watched Andre DeQuisto show me all the features on it. And when Andre DeQuisto shows you something, you shut your mouth and pay attention. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so we have a code to save yourself $50 on this camera, Undercover 50. I'm telling you, if you're looking at any other top-tier cameras, you need to just look into this camera because it's a top-tier camera. It's top of the line. Um, so check it out. Undercover 50 to save yourself some money on that camera or use code WCB for everything else at LoneWolfCustomGear.com. Uh, podcast also brought to you by Big Time Hunter's Blend Coffee. Ooh, let me tell you about Hunter's Blend Coffee. I just recently started using that in a French press, and it changed the way I make coffee because it's fast. It gets you hyped up, and I've never tasted coffee that tasted that good. I've never done that. I've never done a French Dude, press. Jordan it's so, it, it, always It's drinks. super easy, and it's... Uh, dude, I'm I'm such a fan. I will be getting uh, some Hunter's Blend whole bean and grinding them up myself. So that's my new morning. We're giving ritual. away Hunter's Blend coffee at the shoot this weekend. <gasps> I see a lot of it. By the way, there still is availability for the shoot this weekend. I, I think looking at it, I wanted to close it off. We we're, we're right there, uh, but we had some people back out. So if you're wanting to come to the shoot Saturday, July 20th, it's in Knoxville, Illinois. If you're interested in going, you don't want to miss it. Shoot us a message. Um, Absolutely. So, yeah, use code working class for Hunter's Blend, by the way. Um, so, two, Gator Outdoors will also be at the shoot. And they just wrapped our trailer. Uh, they do wraps, all that. They have their online Amazon, GatorOutdoors.com. Um, check them out. Awesome. Dude, I'm so pumped with our trailer wrap. My face is on, and that's really weird. Isn't that weird? But it, it looks good for, uh, if you like ignore my face, it looks good. We're going to get a fat head for Steve on the roof. Why? <laughs> dude, you know how much weight that's going to put on that no, trailer? You, you're going to be overweight, you dude. You the put like, on the platform that comes down that we roll everything off. <laughs> Stepping on his face. Why would you get a fat head? Uh, one other partner real quick that I, I'm really proud of here and really excited about um, before we jump into the show is Can Cooker. And the reason why, because it directly plugs into, like, why we hunt. You know, the meat is, like, the big factor. And I suck. I don't suck at cooking. I feel like I can make – I can cook, like, steak and burgers, and I'm pretty good at that. Um, but this is going to make me motivated to, like, add some variety. So what I want to do is just read a quick recipe. And this is a classic, um, but I've had this recipe 
out of a can cooker before. They do this a lot at some of the shows. I know I've had it at ATA and some of the Deer Classics and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, the venison pot roast. And you basically just add a roast, an onion, carrots, um, potatoes, really anything you want to add to your to your um, what you like to add into your roast. Three cups of beef broth if you need to do that, or or game stock. Um, three cups of water, um, season to taste, and then you basically spray the inside of the can cooker with like nonstick cooking spray. You pour in all the ingredients, liquids and seasonings, and put in the uh, the racks. And add everything else. And then you close the lid and latch it. Put on medium-low cooking surface, um, you know, your stove. And once it starts steaming, cook for 90 minutes. Remove from heat um, and let it sit for a couple minutes. Remove lid and you're basically good to go. Um, you, it says here you stir in a mix of water and cornstarch to thicken the gravy. Um, if that's, you know, it's all to your taste. Like, you do whatever you want. Choose yeah. your own adventure, you know. But this is going to make it easy. That's uh, basically... Little over an hour, and you got a kick ass roast. So, boom, little, yeah, you know, and you ain't got to do much. You got people over, you drink, you get drunk while it does it for you. It's like a crock pot, but right now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. You gotta wait five hours. <laughs> like, Steve's like, I'm so lazy, I don't want to wait for a can dude, cooker. I just want to throw, I, dude, I just want to throw my shit in a can and just let it cook itself. Dude, you know what? I'm excited, like, the adventures of can cooker. What the fuck you put in your can cooker? Oh, dude, you guys don't want to know the ideas I got brewing. Oh, gosh. All right. Let's get to this podcast. Hey, also, the podcast is not brought to you by Hooked on Phonics. I just want to throw that out there, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I could read a lot better because I read some of that because we wrote down a recipe. And it's also on uh, KenCooker.com. So that Check helps. that out. All right. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for sitting through our long intro. Uh, we'll, we'll be more efficient in the future. <laughs> we'll get better. We're here at 1600 Bucks Layer Place, beautiful Bucketorium, lovely Sherrard, Illinois. I am so excited to be doing a podcast because I get to hang out with my buddies, my best friends in this whole world, Kurt and Doug. What's up? What's going on? You guys on? are the only ones here. My other best friend, Eric, can't make it because he's uh, you know, he's not hanging out with another best friend. I know that. Working class. Working right. class, man. He's actually working late. But guys, how you doing? Good, good. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. I didn't know we were best friends. I didn't either, but uh, it's good to know. Wait, what? No, um, we're going to make a new best friend today, I think. (laughs) Are we? Yeah. Emily's on the phone. What's up, Emily? Hey, not much. Hi, bestie. (laughs) BFFs. Are you regretting this podcast yet? (laughs) No, not yet. (laughs) (laughs) Not yet. (laughs) Not yet. being honest. Three seconds in. Emily Shad, is that how I say your last name? Yes. Okay, so we got in connection through Clint Casper, if anyone has ever heard of that strange dude. Who? Um, yeah, exactly. So he just said, hey, you got to get this chick on, and he probably said a bunch of crazy things like, she's bad, and went off on, on the tangent. Well, do you want to <laughs> So, and I said, all right, let's do it. If Clint Cap- Casper recommends someone, they got to be pretty awesome. So thank you for doing the show. appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. So tell us who you are and where you're from. Well, I am actually um, from Southeast Ohio, um, Little County, Morgan County. Um, we're actually only about 45 minutes away from the West Virginia border. Um, so I've been born and raised here um, and pretty much hunting for my whole entire life. Um, so, yeah. Very cool. Very cool. So is that area known as a big buck area? 
Um, here recently, it definitely has been. Um, the last few years, there's been, you know, several 200-inch deer just killed, I mean, within 15, 20 minutes of, you know, where I hunt. Um, so, yeah, that's becoming a big area. and We have such a huge chunk of public land um, area that was owned by AEP. So there's a lot of people that come down this way to gun hunt and bow hunt. Right, so that's okay. so that's the east. So when we did the uh, Ohio Deer Classic, we would talk to some people who weren't who didn't know who we were, and they were like, "Where where are you from? Are you from east, out east?" And I thought I was like, "No, we're not from the east coast." But they're like, "No, eastern Ohio," which was like a because di- is there a difference in terrain out there? Because they kept saying, uh, "You know, eastern Ohio is what they refer to as out east." Well, I mean, down here it's really like really hilly. Um, yeah. So it's like like little miniature mountains down here. <laughs> so, yeah, there's lots of hills down here. Yeah, like right when you get like an hour east of Columbus, it starts to get rocky and kind of bluffy and all that stuff, right? Or am I, am I messed up on that? My yeah, best friend pretty, lives in Columbus, so I should know. Pretty much once you hit like the Muskingum County line, everything like below Muskingum County starts to get um, into hill country. Gotcha. I, I thought, too, like I went to like Hocking Hills Park one time. And yes, that's where I went to college at. <laughs> oh, really? So I, I, yep. went, I went hiking out there once, and I was looking around. I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta think that big bucks live out here. But it also felt, I also felt like, oh, maybe big bucks don't live in here because it didn't seem in that area where I was. That didn't seem like big on agriculture. But I, I also didn't spend a lot of time there, and I was, uh, I was having a good time with my buddies. So <laughs> I don't really remember a whole lot of it. <laughs> well, there. I mean, down here, there. It just depends on where you go. Really, if you don't. You know, if you're not along the river bottom and stuff along the Scam River, that's mainly where most of the crops are. Um, really, if you go, you know, out above the river, kind of stuff where I live, you know, the crop fields are really, you know, few and far in between mm-hmm. just because there's so many hills and stuff. But, I mean, it's mainly down by the river and mainly up from there, it's, you know, just going to be woodland. Right, right. Well, so let's kind of get to the nitty gritty. Like, how long have you been hunting? How'd you get into it? Well, I have personally been hunting since I was 12. I guess technically is when I went out and killed my first year was when I was 12. Oh, very Um, cool. But with a gun, my dad took me out for the first time. Um, I was able to harvest a buck the very first day I went out hunting. So I I guess I had beginner's luck. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I, I always went gun hunting for a few years after that. But it just, I don't know, it just really wasn't. For me, you know, you had to wait so long for gun season, you know, to open up here in Ohio, and I hated waiting around, and, you know, I really wanted to just be by myself and go out in the woods and do something, you know, and hunt instead of being with a bunch of other people and people running around all over the place. So I kind of really got started um, into bow hunting, I think, when I was probably maybe 13 or 14, so it was only a year or two later um, when I got started into bow hunting, and um, I told my dad I wanted to pick up bow hunting, and he's like, well, you're going to have to work with me laying carpet all summer long in order to forge your bow. So <laughs> I had to work off, I had to work with him all summer long laying carpet in order to earn money to buy my, my first bow, and that's what I did, and I've been bow hunting ever since. <laughs> that is awesome. That is very cool. It's um, That's a rare story. Well, I think I appreciate when I hear someone started hunting that early because I can relate to all of that. And yeah. and it's funny because I a little bit of me I I have been hunting damn near over half my life 
Um, but I feel like I haven't been hunting that long too. But when you break it down, it's like, oh man, I did start yeah. young. So, so it is cool. Like when I hear other people got into it, cause Doug and I started kind of the same way and yeah. your story is about the same as mine. I started gun hunting at first. And I, when I asked for a boat for the first time, I was kind of like a shot in the dark for Christmas. Like I was like, ah, oh, my parents won't buy me a bow. Like, and then they got me like a cheap one. And then it was kind of like, well, we'll see if you're interested or not. And then it was like a buildup, you know what I mean? Well, that was the same yeah. for me. Like like Emily said, uh, you know, it just takes too long for shotgun season to come around. And you see people already putting bucks down in November. You're like, man, I got I to gotta get out there. Yeah. Save some for us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's really cool then. Um, so I'm sure your dad was really pumped that his daughter is, like, taken into hunting so heavily, like, to where he's like, all right, well, you got to work now <laughs> to, to save yeah. up cash. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I mean, if anybody knows my dad, you know, he's one of these guys that, you know, he's not going to give anything to you. You got to work your butt off in order to earn it. So that's kind of how I grew up, and that's still how I am. You know, if I want something, I'm going to have to work hard, you know, in order to get it, you know, if I want it. So yeah, um, that's kind of how we grew up. And, you know, he'd always grown up, you know, hunting. He's, he's um, been a big game guide out west, you know, for elk and bear hunts for Heck, oh, I don't wow. know, 30, 30, 40 some years. So, you know, I was always around hunting and all of his stories and, you know, turkey hunting and everything. So I think he just kind of wanted me to, to go out there and kind of do my own thing, kind of like he did. That's very cool. But yeah, it is, it is cool that you took your own intuition. It's like, yeah, you know, you saw what your dad didn't. Uh, I know a lot of us see our dads working, you know, my, my dad was a carpenter growing up and I was like, dude, I never want to get in the trades, man. See how hard my dad works. But now I'm, I'm in the trades and, and I love it. You know, you're as a kid, you never want to do what your parents did, but you know, you, you kind of took the opposite route and decided, Hey, my dad does this. I want to take my Hunting's own pretty ambition. Damn cool compared to being a carpenter. I mean, it really is. Yeah. But I hear what you're saying. It, it like is. when you grow up with it, it's, you might have a different appreciation for it. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, ah, oh, my parents did that. I don't want to do it. You know? So, it's just, yeah. So that explains a lot. Like your dad's mentality of kind of making you work for everything, which I kind of wish I had that a little harder on myself growing up. I mean, I appreciate everything I have, but I feel like that's really good for. When you grow up, especially coming like becoming an adult, but yeah. it probably also explains why you've killed the deer you've killed. Yeah, yeah, I think um, you know, growing up, I kind of, you know, was taught to be you know independent and work hard, you know, try to you know learn as many things you can so you can do things on your own instead of having to rely on other people. So I think that's really, mm-hmm. you know, kind of helped out with a work, um, with like a work ethic um, standpoint here as I'm older to be able to, you know, be independent and do try to do things on my own. And I, you know, I hate asking people for help with anything. I'm so stubborn. So I just try to do everything on, on my own and learn as much as I can, you know, that way I can, yeah. you know, pursue the things I want to. Well, when Clint sent over, he's like, Hey, you got to get Emily on the show. Like big buck killer gets after it. Like, and basically he kind of told me about your bucket list of giant whitetails you've killed. And then once we got in contact, and I'm like, hey, just send me over a couple of images for cover art. And I'm like, Jesus, they're all giants. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Which is going to keep well, sending more. I'm going to send over pictures of Bambi. <laughs> <laughs> but what, it, it's cool to see all that because you – and I, I don't, I'm not going down this, like, female hunter route. I'm not going to do that. But it's, it's cool to see – you killing big bucks because it makes you stand out if you're out there yeah. doing it on your own. It, it it really makes you stand out more from the crowd than than anyone else that's just talking about it because you're actually. I mean, the proof's there. Like you know what you're yeah. doing. You're getting it done. It wasn't one time fluke. You've done it. You've done it several times. And 
that says a lot right there on for any hunter, you know. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. You know, kind of how I roll is, you know, it really doesn't matter, you know, how many followers I get, you know, how many people, you know, like my page or this, that, and the other. To me, it's about, you know, sharing the experiences, um, you know, through photographs, you know, through my stories and, you know, the things that you see on my page is, you know, what it is, you know, it's yeah, yeah. genuine, it's real, you know, I work, you know, work really hard to get there and, you know, literally live and breathe it 365 days a year. I mean, I'm thinking about it. I'm doing something to improve each day, you mm-hmm. know, pushing myself even harder and harder. Really, I'm my worst enemy. You know, there's nobody else I'm in competition with. It's just myself trying to push myself harder to do something better each and every year. Yeah, I feel like for a hunter to be successful, you have to have that internal pressure. I mean, that's with anything, but like the only time I have that this heavily is for hunting. Yeah, you have to have that drive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like everything else I'm pretty relaxed on. But when it comes to hunting, like if I don't go, my internal guilt eats me from the soul. Yeah. And- oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's awful. If, I, if there's a day that I don't go hunting, like it just eats me alive until the clear next day that I go out hunting. Man, I should have gone. You know, this could have been the day. I could have seen the big buck, you know? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that really is that, like, mindset. And, and and no one will ever know who actually has it. But if you know that feeling, you know you know what it's like. Actually, I think, you know, where that the tipping point on that is, is where if you've killed a big buck or you've had an opportunity on a big buck up close with a bow, I think that's probably the tipping point on where, I mean, not for everyone, but that's a tipping point probably to where you're like, motherfucker, I need to go out instead yeah. instead of wanting to be a lazy, <laughs> exactly. you know, because um, you've had the experience. You- All right, we had a little blip there. Um, I don't remember what I was saying. The tipping point of like, basically, you had an opportunity. You see on a, a big bug. bug, you're like, motherfucker, let's get it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, dude, it's, it's like it's it's once you've had like those little experiences, it motivates you to like push yourself beyond what you normally would have. And maybe I can't speak for everyone. Sometimes just the motivation of having that experience will get you out. But I feel like once you experience it, it will. Because a big buck will pop up out of nowhere. But yeah. until you have that happen to you, mm-hmm. it's hard to envision it. Yeah, really. I mean, you know, when I was younger and stuff, you know, I always really loved bow hunting. But I didn't have the passion as I do now um, since I had that first experience, you know, with that good mature buck really back in 2015 because you know i went to college and stuff for wildlife i finally got into the workforce and i was able to get you know some vacation time starting in 2015 so really i was finally able to start taking some time off you know to bow hunt and Mm -hmm. really i just didn't have the experiences as i do now just because i didn't have the time and really you know in order to you know to be successful you really have to put in all the time in the yeah. world in order. I mean, if I didn't put in tons of time, I would never be successful at it. I mean, I hunt every day after work, you know, I take a week or so off, you know, to bow hunt. And really once I got that first experience on that first really good buck back in 2015, it's just changed the face of everything for me pretty much on the way, you know, I hunt, um, you know, just the way I you just, think about things too, yeah, like every I mean, little it's approach. It's completely different. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, for sure. Isn't it annoying where like people who say they hunt and want to kill big bucks, but you know they don't put the time in like you do, and then they bitch about how they didn't get an opportunity? What's up, Steve? What the hell are you and looking then- at, dude? <laughs> hey, man. Come on, man. My property sucks, bro. I well, told you. Well, they kind of get – they almost try to – 
put guilt on you or like yeah. you're you're lucky. It's like, well, hold on. Yeah, I hear well, that. And you, you know, I I hear that all the time. There was a lot of other people that I talked to, you know, that hear that, you know, all the time. People, you know, want to have the success. They want to kill the big deer, but they don't want to put the 365 day year time into trying to kill a big deer. They want to be able to just go out and kill one. And they, I think a lot of people really think that, you know, me and, you know, some of the other people, that's what they do is just go out there and they have the luck. They've got the big tracks of land. They have this and they have that. But really in reality, you know, I probably have the smallest track of land out of anybody around here that's even killing nice deer. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the, the acreage that I'm hunting is, you know, between, it's just a little over 40 acres. That's all I have. And there's a state route highway that runs right in between it. So, oh, you know, I have the smallest track of land probably out of anybody, you know, around here. And I'm, you know, still able to work hard enough in order, you know, to harvest a really good deer on that small track of land. Yeah. So yeah. it's crazy what you can do, you know, if you really put your mind to it and you really work hard and try to manage, you know, and get big deer and try to get the other people around the properties to do the same yeah. thing that you're doing. It, it's it's cool that you say that too, because the property I grew up on is all timber. Um, there's no field edges because deer are fringe animals. So if you have a field edge, they're going to be on the fringes and it's just chunk of timber, not that big. And neighbors are constantly blasting anything and everything. And my literally for when I first learned like what it takes to kill a big buck, my strategy was hunt my ass off to where almost like the shotgun method, guess and check, be everywhere you can. Yeah. Which is what got me interested yeah. in like the mobile hunting type thing. Um, but that, that was my strategy and it's probably, I wouldn't say it's like the worst property I've hunted, but the same time I hunted that property, I had another really good property that I was able to grow up on that was a little further away. So I didn't spend as much time there and that property had potential. The one I didn't get, get to go to all the time had potential to kill bigger bucks on it, but I put the harder work in on the crappier property and crappy is probably not the best term, but like the, the lesser of property. And I, that's where all my biggest deer are from. Like I have bigger yeah. deer on this property where I put my time in more. I have bigger deer there. Hell, I killed my two big, my number one and number two are from that property versus all these other awesome places. I had opportunities to hunt. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really crazy what you can get out of, you know, really small tracts of land. You know, this out here, you know, it's a little over 40 acres. Like I said, it has a state route that runs right in the middle of it. The crazy thing is, is three quarters of it is field. So, you know, you don't even have much woods to deal with. And mm -hmm. it's kind of, you know, off of the rest of the land. And since that state route is through there, it's not like you've got good deer travel, you know, through yeah. there, which makes it really hard. Um, so, you know, you have to get some good food sources, you know, in the yeah, fields, yeah. rely on, you know, the oaks and stuff like that in order to be able to have some good success on it. You know, I, I go ahead, Steve. I just, I, I want to say, I have a <clears throat> confession to make. Um, recently something happened that made me reevaluate my whole life. Um, I was doing something at work that I've done constantly. <laughs> like, right? Here we go. Like, is, I, it, I, is, I, is it tender? No, no, no. Oh, God, no. Um, is it your dad falling off a roof? No, not is that. Is it... Um, no, I, I mean, don't need this. Arby's? I, you had to scrap your old truck because the frame rusted out. Thanks it, for getting that, Trevor. Was it quitting <laughs> Arby's? What what changed your life, Steve? So check this out. So I was doing something simple at work that like I do every single day. Turns out I was doing it wrong. And when I was shown the right process, it took me... 
a little bit to figure it out, and I realized something. I was overthinking something super simple, and that made me reevaluate my whole life. Like, what am I overthinking? Why am I not getting this done? Like, I'm like, dude, I'm doing it all the time. Why is it not working? It's because I missed a crucial step. So that's making me real reevaluate how I'm going to start hunting this year because I was like, dude, I was such an idiot. Why was I doing it this way? But I thought it was, I thought it was like, it was good enough to get by. Dude, my, my whole mindset has changed. I'm like, okay, I'm going to like, not like less thinking, but like less overthinking and just was your uh, doing what crucial what step I'm, not getting up and going hunting? No, no, no. I overthought it, man. I thought <laughs> I did. I over there. I sleeping. But it's like overslept. It's like <laughs> my boss came over. He's like, I've told you this, and he didn't listen. And I go, hmm. I believe you didn't tell me. That's what I feel like talking to you during hunting season. <laughs> and and that was that was a big turning point in my life. Like, yeah, not to turn the shit on me, but like I'm taking fault for all the big deer I didn't kill. Okay, so is this motivation, Steve? Segment right now? Oh, dude, no. This is this is this is uh, Steve getting his uh, shit out of the way. I'm, I'm trying to sneak in, it in, in the middle of this in, episode. In, <laughs> Emily, let me tell you a little story here. So, oh God, no, don't. Steve, um, <laughs> Steve sucks. Okay, let's just get down to the point here. <laughs> Yeah, huh? Steve doesn't have the internal guilt of if I don't go hunting, I'm going to miss an opportunity. He doesn't have that internal guilt for hunting. I don't have um, that internal guilt for anything I do. Yep, yeah, we're going to get you there with hunting. So <laughs> we'll get there. My thing was I had an I have roughly an hour drive to one of my hunting properties in the morning, and what I would do is when I get up and I make my drive, and Steve has a property <laughs> not far that's roughly 45 minutes to an hour as well. I'm like a 50 minute drive from you too, so it's it's essentially the same time. Yeah, so I call Steve when I'm on my way to hunt, and Steve's always sleeping, and I would rip his ass, and if not, I'd leave him a voicemail like, "Hey, motherfucker, get up!" Like, there's a deer out there, like the one you always talk about that you don't get. So the goal is this year to have Steve get a Pope and Young buck, and utilize all the opportunities that the podcast can provide. And see if he can get it done. Is this the year of Steve? Nobody knows. The year of Steve. Dude, the year of Steve. I've dot, seen dot, it. On, dot, I've seen dot, it. Dot. I was at a Chinese restaurant and there was like the monkey, you know, the, the koi fish and the year of Steve. And guess what? It's 2019, bro. <laughs> what do you think, Emily? You think he's got it in him or do you think he's just throwing us a bluff? Hey, you know, he might have it in him. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Damn. So vaguely positive. Yeah, right, dude. I've heard that. I've heard that line so many times. She does not believe in me, dude. Don't. I'm cutting through the bullshit. You do not believe in me, Emily. I'm calling you out right she now. She just friend zoned you. Hey, you dude, got, I, you dude, got, I got positive. You're not positive. It's definitely not gonna happen. So, <laughs> dude, dude, she she one year old buck zoned me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. She, she didn't even grab her bow off the bow hanger. Dude, she spike bucked me, man. <laughs> no, she pulled her phone out on you. Oh, that's the worst. But yeah, dude, that was there was something that clicked in me, and I was like, okay, I thought I was like, dude, why am I not getting it done? It's because like I don't listen, and I go through with my own shit. But if you listen to big buck killers like Clint Casper, um, Clark Cummings, Ross Bigger, Austin Chandler, all these guys that we associate with, it's like, dude, how am I hanging out with these dudes, but like not getting it done? And it's because I'm in my own head and I'm overthinking it, and I'm overthinking the wrong shit. Ooh. So. Do you think, Emily, that overthinking hunting big bucks is a common thing, or do you think people underestimate? It, it definitely is. I mean, I can be honest right now, last year especially, I overthought hunting a lot because I was so determined 
to kill this particular deer. I ended up killing him, but I was so determined to kill this deer. And every time I had an encounter, you know, I felt like everything went right, but everything went wrong. And I was overthinking stuff so much. I mean, I called up all kinds of people, asking their opinions, you know, overthinking it so much. I couldn't sleep at night. You know, I didn't think <laughs> I was ever going to get another encounter with deer. And when I kind of just let it all go and i just kind of forgot about it i was like if it's going to happen it's going to happen i'm just going to do what i'm supposed to do and go out there and we're just going to see what happens and as soon as i like let my mind rest it happened <laughs> so, so let's let's break into this because this is i'm assuming this is the cover art buck yes the most buck, definitely so if you clicked on this podcast the buck that's in the cover art let, let's break this down let, tell us a story about buck. it when when you found out about this deer and, and let kind of give us the the rundown on it so this deer is you know was my complete most memorable deer i will never have any more respect for a particular whitetail than i did this deer um i have you know killed several nice bucks but i've never had a good history with a deer like i did this one this deer i had four years of history with um sheds from two years unfortunately the other two years i couldn't find the sheds off of him but 2015 was when I first had gotten pictures of this deer. Nothing, you know, out of the ordinary, just a plain Jane, 120-inch, you know, 8-point. But, you know, he had unique colorations on his face, so I was able to keep track of him even after he shed, you know, year after year. Oh, that's awesome. That's got to be nice. Yeah, what was so unique about this deer was um, his third, fourth, and fifth year, he – you could tell the deer for one by his facial markings and by two he how he got his name and naming him flyer 10 because um as a three-year-old he grew um a flyer kicker off of his g2 um and he carried that same flyer off that same g2 for three years in a row so you always knew what deer it was um but you know this deer went from like a 120s to the 2016 he grew that flyer um went to like a mainframe 10 he's probably the 140 then obviously it wasn't going to shoot him because he's only three year old mm -hmm. um you know after that year actually after gun season he completely disappeared and i thought all along somebody killed him i'd never seen him ever again until 2017 in august Literally from December until August of the next year, I'd never seen the deer. I thought he was dead um, until I got him on trail camera in August before I went on my Idaho bear hunt trip. Um, and I knew it was him because he had the same flyer, but he was twice the size. He was probably 160, 161 oh, um, in 2017, which I ended up finding one side off of him, and the neighbor ended up finding the other side with the flyer. Um but that deer, you know, he would have been a four-year-old then. I didn't – he was pretty much the biggest buck that I had on camera. Um, so I was really wanting to see what he looked like in person. Because, you know, trail camera yeah. pictures sometimes can make him look bigger, sometimes can make him look smaller. Yeah. So really I just wanted to see what he looked like in person to determine, you know, if I was going to harvest a deer or not. I mean, he was four. You hate to harvest a deer when they're four. I like to wait till they're five. Um so luckily, I didn't see the deer, which was good. So I didn't have <laughs> to determine. Didn't have to, yeah. I didn't have he doesn't to make that decision. If he was big enough, if he wasn't big enough, whether to shoot or not. I ended up, you know, harvesting another buck that I had never seen before in my life, um, which was the photo that you shared yesterday or the day before. Which is a stud. Oh, that's a 
pig, dude. I Which, thought, damn. Yeah, I that deer, um, I actually called him in during the rut and never had seen the deer ever before in my whole entire life until I laid eyes on him and I shot him. I mean, I'd never once seen that deer, had no idea what deer it was, and he was incredible. The biggest, ma- most massive framed buck I'll probably ever kill, to be honest. Um, and okay. he was... He was 161, but really he was, um, he had a, a 10th point, but you know, he was mainly a main that deer's a giant of that caliber. If it so. makes you feel any better on that deer. So, <laughs> uh, I don't know if you're familiar with who Cody DeQuisto is, um, but they're the OGs of Lone Wolf Tree Stands, Lone Wolf Custom Gear. I talked to him on the phone today, like an hour before this podcast, and he's like, He's like, hey, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, getting ready to record. Oh, dude, with that giant that you posted yesterday? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. He goes, oh, dude. He's like, that that thing was a stud. And for Cody DeQuisto to say that. So I don't I don't know if you're familiar with Cody. Yeah, he doesn't say that often. Yeah, they, I'm not. They, they're the OGs behind Lone Wolf. So the, the, okay, cool. the engineers behind it all. So, uh, yeah, Lone Wolf yeah, Custom that, Gear. I mean, that that deer by far was just a beast. I mean, massive. He was the biggest bodied deer i had ever even seen i mean he weighed what 204 field dressed i mean he was an absolute brute um you know when i got him mounted there was only like two forms i could even get the buck mounted in because <laughs> his neck measurement was so big that's got to be <laughs> a good his, feeling you know his, his nose to eye measurement was so big so you know it was really he was just a big deer all over which was awesome um but back to the subject of you know flyer 10 so i was able to harvest you know this deer which I never got the encounter with Flyer Tim, which is probably a good thing <laughs> since he was only four. Um, but, you know, I had that deer on camera really starting probably in November, just constant. I mean, almost every day, all the way through he shed his, when he, whenever he shed his antlers. I was lucky enough to be able to find the one side. Unfortunately, couldn't find the other side. The neighbor wrapped it up. But, you know, he scored his side. I scored my side. He was, like, right on the 160 dot. Jeez. Um, so, you know, obviously, the next year, which would have been 2018, I completely would not, was, I told myself I am not going to even shoot any other deer besides this particular deer because he's going to be five. And I was like, and if he does what he did the year before, I was hoping, you know, he'd be like a 180, you know, if he busted up 20 more inches. But, you right. know, it's hard to tell. Some deer go downhill at five and a half, you know, some blow up, you just can't tell. Yeah. So... You know, I've never, you know, I kind of watched him in right when he was starting to grow his antlers because obviously I could tell by his facial facial features, but then he kind of disappeared. You know, the one thing about my place, you know, here is I don't get too excited in the summer. You know, the bucks, I don't know what it is about around here, but the bucks have so much food everywhere around that, you know, I hardly ever get pictures of bucks during the summer. I usually don't really get too excited until about October, and then I start getting some pictures. I'm the same one. So, yeah, so it seems like there's some places that people are able to just get tons of velvet pictures, and then there's places like where I'm at, and heck, I don't even get like three velvet pictures of good bucks the whole entire summer. <laughs> yeah, but I can agree on the opposite of that. <laughs> yeah, Doug is the opposite. <laughs> I, I don't participate in Velvet Fest. I'm just like, yeah, they'll be there when they're there. Yeah, I, I don't Fest. either. I don't even get excited because I check the camera. And the only thing I'm seeing is those. Dude, so <laughs> Velvet Fest is the Coachella of bow hunters. Like only the rich kids get to it. it that's be a, involved. That's in that. false. 
No, it's not. I'm that, just kidding. I'm just, I'm just talking shit, dude. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say. It's cool. I, got, I, I, I got was a, like, that is so far from I'm true. I'm just kidding, dude. I got a velvet buck that runs around but, in my yard all the time. Actually, Doug, uh, Doug saw that fawn that I was talking about. Uh, I, got, I got deer all over my yard. I've named them. <laughs> but I'll get velvet pictures, and then come October and November, they are not there anymore. So Where are they at, though? That's what I'm yeah, trying to I mean, tell me. Yeah, I mean, it seems like if you, if you do get a velvet buck here you never see them once they shed their velvet. Yeah. And then if you know the bucks that you don't get during velvet, then they're here from October clear. So they shed. So it's like one or the other. I never get a buck in velvet and keep them around all year long. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> I know. I've never had like the full blown experience of like having velvet and all, and all that. So, so back to the story, you didn't, you didn't see him. You're hoping he's going to blow up and do a 180. And, and I know that like you hope that happens, but it, it's a gamble. Wild animals yeah, is a gamble. Exactly. And, you know, I wasn't really sure because with some of the other deer that I'd watched, whenever they hit the five and a half mark, they actually gone downhill. So I was hoping and praying that he didn't go downhill. I mean, if anything, he at least stayed the same, you know. Mm -hmm. But so July, I actually, the same stand that I killed the big one in 2017 in, I actually got my very first picture. I um, can't remember if it was beginning or mid-July of him and i knew it was him he carried the same flyer except for he must have you know kind of maybe damaged the flyer in early velvet because it came out and it went straight down like it was a drop time flyer um but i knew it was him and to me initially first looking at it he had extremely short tines i could tell he was really wide like he was probably only 17 maybe 18 inches i highly doubt it the year before inside mm -hmm. and when I seen him here, he was like way wider than that. Like he just kind of went straight out and then just the ends curled in. So I knew he was wide, but I knew he was a lot shorter. Um, and you know, he stayed, you know, about the same mass wise and so on, but you, I couldn't really tell anything. So at that point in time, so really I didn't get the next picture of him until I believe September, right before he shed his velvet. And then he had his full growth on, but Something about infrared trail camera pictures, I have come to find out, actually makes them look smaller than what they really are, which can be a good thing. Yeah, um, oh yeah, definitely. Because this deer, when I was looking at him, he just, he looked like he may have been 150 at most. So I'm like, oh man, you know, that sucked. You know, he went downhill just kind of like, you know, the other deer did that I was after. So and I was like, well, you know. I'm going to go after him regardless because he's a mature deer. This would be a fourth year, fourth year that I've been after the deer. So I still have a mindset on this deer and this year only. So really, I never, let me see, when did I even get the next picture of him? Probably wasn't until, I don't know, the beginning, very end of October. Um, like November 3rd might have been the next time I'd gotten a picture of the deer. Oh, really? Um, that far, far apart? Yeah. And... But the crazy thing is, I never got a trail camera picture of him until then, but I had seen the buck out of my stand in my food plot mid-October. I think it was October 18th or 19th, and I actually laid eyes on him, and that's when I learned his pattern. Because so when you I saw him there, did, did it change your perspective on how big he was? 
Yeah, most oh. definitely. He, I mean, I was like, wow, that troll camera was really wrong. <laughs> you know, I, I, so, I've never thought about that infrared comment that you made about how it can make him look smaller because I had a buck that I was on and I found him dead during shed season and I was like, whoa, this deer is way big. I knew the deer was big, but you know yeah. what I'm talking about, the big buck guys. Yeah, yeah, big, yeah. Um, and when I found him, I'm like, oh, man, like I knew about the deer. I would have I shot him all day, but he was probably 15 inches bigger than I expected. Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I don't comment. know. I don't know what it is about the infrared, but the infrared does make them look look smaller. So usually, when I have a deer on infrared, you know, I at least put ten inches on them because it seems like it could be there even more different. Yeah, that's interesting. Thinking. I've never heard anyone say that before. You you said that, so that's something to think yeah. about. That's why I like the classic yep. flash. No, you can't. <laughs> the classic I love flash, the fl- dude. Those flash. Cameras. You still run a flash camera? No, they don't really sell them anymore. Dude, Doug, Doug hangs tiki torches around his mineral sites, man. Yeah, keep <laughs> the skeeters <laughs> away. <laughs> skeeters off. <laughs> okay, sorry, Emily. That's I just. Hey, had to you're fine. Um, <laughs> that, does it, do you know anyone that runs flash cameras? Me? Yeah. I mean, they don't sell I. Anymore. You know, I still own one. Um, it's probably. Let me see. Probably close to ten years old. <laughs> it it's still work. it still works. Oh, it does. It's it's really it still really does work. But I just I don't know. I'm kind of afraid to put it out because I feel like you know sometimes it scares them and sometimes it doesn't. I feel like so you could only put it out I on just a stay feeder. Stay away from. Or a scrape. Yeah. Usually they don't care about a scrape. I don't know. I wouldn't put one out. Anyway, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I just thought that was an interesting note, like yeah. uh, something to bring up about the infrared. Yeah, and I mean, I never really knew that until you actually see – you have the deer on infrared, and then you see them in person, and then you can tell the difference. And it's been the same thing for every single deer. So it really does kind of distort their size at some at some point. Yeah, that's really interesting. Um, So mid-October, I had an encounter with this deer, and so then I kind of figured out I knew where he was coming from. Um, but where he was coming from – there's just no good place to get in and hunt because it's an area where it's a big, steep, you know, deep ravine. It's got a bottom that runs through. It's got two ridges on either side, and it kind of all comes to a point, and the wind is horrible in this spot, and all the deer bed on all those ridges, and there's no way you'd be able to even get in there without a deer busting at any point in time of the day. So I kind of had to just continue to hunt where I was at, even though it really wasn't in his travel because I knew I knew I'd bust him out if I moved in closer. Mm-hmm. So I kind of stayed where I was at and you know, he never did come in. He stayed out behind me in the plot and I watched him completely downwind, which was crazy. He never busted me, which is awesome. Yeah. Because, yeah. um, you know, once a big buck busts you, you're pretty well screwed for a while. <laughs> yeah. Especially <laughs> on a small piece of property like what you're yeah. on. Yeah, exactly. So you know, I'd seen him then. It was right before dark, and I mean, I just absolutely couldn't believe it that I, you know, laid my eyes on him for the first time. So then, you know, like I said, I didn't didn't get a trail camera picture of him until November third, um, and I kind of took the wrong week off because I love to hunt the rut, um, and now I'm kind of changing my perspective, and I'm going to take time off in pre rut and during rut because I found out that last year I was about a week off. Um, so he was in there like the very first few days of November. I was getting daylight pictures. It was the first daylight pictures I've had of that deer in, oh, my gosh, I don't even know how long, um, since clear the previous year at some point during the rut. Um, and 
So finally, when my vacation come, you know, I went to that spot because he had been in there the week before during the daylight. Um, so I sat in that stand there on the edge of the food plot again. Um, and the very first day of my hunting vacation, which has been a Monday, I can't quite remember the date, mm-hmm. what that was, but sitting in the stand and I kept looking behind me because I knew that's where he was going to come from and had all these does that ended up coming in and feeding around. And right before dark, I just had this feeling that something was behind me and I turned around and there he was. No shit. Right behind me. And he came in around through the pines to my left and then kind of out into the grass opening there in front of me. And I was not ready. I would admit it. I was not prepared for him to come in. I guess I wasn't ready. I was still sitting. I didn't even have my bow in my hand. And he came in and I could do nothing. Absolutely nothing. I was able to get my bow in my hand, but I had been sitting for so long. I attempted to draw back sitting down and it just didn't work. And I literally had to watch that deer walk away that night and i tell you what i was about to cry oh no what level of angry birds were you on at that point (laughs) oh my gosh like i was i was completely devastated i'm like i had him at 18 yards and i completely blew my chance because i wasn't prepared i wasn't ready oh man you know luckily he never busted never bust me he never smelled me you know one of the does had seen me move and she kind of busted but thankfully, he had no idea what she was looking at or snorting at or anything. And so he still, you know, was okay. And so that was my main thing because if I knew that he busted me, then I was going to be a world of hurt. <sighs> That'll um, stress you out. Yeah. I mean, I just, I was devastated. And, you know, from that very night on, I did not see that deer for almost two weeks, even on camera. Oh, that's and, good. Just two weeks of self-torture. Yeah. yeah. And what, what goes <laughs> through your mind up. is you're thinking, wow, did that doe really mess something up? Did he really get spooked even though I didn't, th- didn't think he got spooked? You know, it, I just everything was running through my mind, and I was just, like, overworking myself. Like, I couldn't even sleep at night, like, because this was the deer. And I thought that something that I did ruined my chance at this deer. And when you didn't see him, I mean, he'd been coming in every day. You know, even at night at some point, and when he, he he just doesn't come in for two weeks, you're just absolutely devastated. You just think, man, maybe somebody got him. You know, maybe he's never going to come back. You know, I did something wrong. So, you know, my vacation came. It ended. It was horrible. You know, I felt like it was on the off week. You know, I wasn't seeing much activity after the first day or so. So, you know, it was back to work. So then the following weekend, it was literally – the weekend before gun season was start, I'm like, you know, if I'm going to have a chance at this deer, I got to get it done because once gun season starts, you just don't know what's going to happen around here. There's people everywhere, you know, you don't know where he's going to be. So, um, right. And like their patterns change. Like my experience, deer don't do the same shit they did before gun season. Oh no, no, it is completely different. You know, they get so, so pressured There's so much hunting pressure. You know, around here is everybody comes here, you know, to gun hunt. And so that Saturday, um, there mid towards the end of November, I sat in the stand and I was like, it was a really quiet 
start to the hunt and i'm like this is really unusual because normally there's does moving about early feeding early and like nothing was happening i'm like this is really strange and i was just texting my buddy i was like i I feel like tonight's just going to be a night where just all hell breaks loose at one time and my feeling was right because later in the evening just every deer i swear in the county came out of the woodwork and we're just going (laughs) everywhere like it was a very good rut weekend i mean there was bucks chasing does all like i couldn't even keep track of all the deer and i was like man and i ended up having i heard a big mature buck grunt coming right up at me down from the creek and up towards the you know the bank in front of me Mm -hmm. and i'm thinking to myself oh my gosh this is him this is him and he comes up to me, and all I could see is this wide, you know, rack moving side to side, but it was really white. I'm like, well, this can't be him because Flyer 10 has got a dark kind of chocolatey-looking rack. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, couldn't figure out what deer this was, and ended up being just an old, big, wide eight-point. I'm like, well, this deer, you know, it was awesome watching him, um, but it's like, nope, I'm not going to shoot this deer because I am strictly after Flyer 10, and that's it. So Man, crazy commitment. thing is – I want, I, I want to get in your mindset at, at this point because we know from talking to Clint, so Ohio's a one-buck state. So yes. in your mindset after you, you know, this is a couple weeks after you thought you spooked Flyer 10, do you have any other deer that you're like, okay, Flyer 10 might be out, uh, I'll give this dude a chance if I see him coming through? Or what? what is your mindset? Are you like, you know what, I'm dead set on this deer, I don't care if I don't shoot a deer this season? I want to get flyer 10. What What is your mindset going in this hunt? Because you just see this mature deer and you're like, eh, you know, what, what are you thinking right now at this point? Pretty much at that point, you know, I was still completely determined. Luckily I have some great friends that help me. They're like, you know, that deer is always going to be there. That deer is going to come back. You are going to get a chance. You've got to stick with it. And that's what I did. And I still had the mindset I was not going to harvest any other deer besides that deer. Because years previous, when I had made that decision, I ended up killing another buck, which was a, I've always, you know, the last couple of years I'd done that, I had killed really great bucks. But then the buck I had my mindset on would end up coming in and was there all season long. And it's like, man, I should have just waited. So when that big white eight point come in, you know, I didn't even think twice about not shooting it. Because um, I just, I had my mind so set on that deer. And I just kept thinking in the back of my mind, everybody's telling me he's going to come. He's going to come back. I just got to mm-hmm. be patient. I just got to wait. So that's what I did. And it paid off. Because right after that buck had came in, grunting, all puffed up, ears laid back, it was awesome watching that deer come in. Next thing you know, I hear another buck grunt. And as soon as I heard the grunt, I knew it was him. There was no other deer in that area that was mature enough to make that grunt. And that it had was to have coming. been the craziest feeling at that yeah, point. You're just yeah, like, oh, like, oh, like an elk bugle, like you and knew it was him. Let me tell you. Let me tell you, on. I was ready this time. I was up, my release on my bow, everything was ready to roll. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and, you got to have those mess ups to be in that situation, you know, to be that yeah, ready. Most definitely. And I knew it was him because the grunt was coming from the direction that the deer always stayed. 
So, and he didn't come across the field behind me like normal, but he came out to the side on the edge of the field. I knew it was still him. So, and Flyer 10, he was the most mature buck in the area, and he was beat up, um, kind of even still wondering if he didn't almost have kind of like a broken front leg. Um, by this point in time, he had a brow tie busted off. He had a little short, about two-inch G4 busted off. But when I seen the deer, I seen him limping. I knew it was him because the previous time that I seen him, he, would, he was limping. He could hardly walk on his front leg, so he really had done some damage fighting. Um, so I seen him limping, and so the big eight point went to actually go challenge Flyer 10 in the creek bottom, which was unreal. And so the big eight point puffed up, ears back, went straight down at him, and then you could see Flyer 10 puff up ears back and then flyer 10 let out this ungodly snort wheeze at that eight point and that eight point was like oh shit i tell you what (laughs) i had never seen a deer run so fast in my whole entire life to get away from another deer as that eight point did he left and he didn't look back (laughs) it's like he hit that kung fu stance on him it's like let's go dude like a like at a bar fight ear see it was like did like this big dude's like yo you want to mess with me and the dude hits like some crazy ass well, kung fu move it, it's like that, that buck yeah, probably knew that other buck was like nah i'm good I don't he's know. like ah oh, shit my, my bad i didn't recognize you man oh, shit it's been a while since you know how's the family dude how's the, hey uh, oh by the way I, I i forgot i forgot to pay my tab i gotta get the get the hell out of here <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was absolutely insane. Just that enough, you know, will get your heart pumping. Seeing, you know, two bucks kind of go at it like that. Yeah, that's um, really cool. Damn, too bad you weren't in Illinois. You could have smoked both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no doubt. That's true. Well, assuming you so, have a tag, yeah. not in Indiana. I mean, you got one in Indiana. <laughs> yeah. You know, someone learned a lesson that way. But wow, uh, oh, hey, oh, damn. oh, relevant. Oh. Anyway, Emily, sorry. yeah. By the way, don't pay a $25,000 fine for being stupid. I'm just going to say that right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> we all yeah, know what so we're talking did... about. Sorry, Emily. Yeah. We're being yeah, rude. Yeah, no doubt. Oh, boo, yeah, oh, no, sorry. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> so he ended up coming up to the bank right up to me, and, uh, you know, to the does at a point was after. Um, so he kind of started chasing some does around a little bit. He was grunting at them. And so when he was, he was coming straight at me at this point, and I'm like, well, I'm going to draw back. You know, because I'm not going to wait till he's in a perfect position and then draw back. Right. So he was coming right at me, um, kind of chasing around the doze a little bit. And I ended up, you know, drawing back on him. And I tell you what, I couldn't figure out what was going on at the time because my heart was pumping and I was so focused on that deer. I couldn't even figure out what in the world was going on when I drew back, but it was not good. Um, I didn't figure it out until... About a week later, really, what actually happened um, with my bow, but when I had drawn back, it's like my, and I didn't even realize it at the time, like I said, I was so focused on the deer, I thought that something like my string slipped off of my cam or, you know, something like I had no idea. I was completely oblivious on what was actually happening at that point, but all I know is I drew back and it's like I felt like I drew back farther than what I was supposed to, and my, you know, mechanical broadhead came off the backside of my bow and landed on the top of my hand. 
Oh, oh no. And I am like, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> I finally get a chance and something else happens. <laughs> Holy shit. So I'm sitting there and I'm like shaking all over the place and I'm trying to flip my wrist to get the broadhead back on the bow because I can't even let down or I'm going to stick a broadhead through my hand. Holy shit. Oh, so, so, the, so the whole arrow, not just the broadhead came up, but like the whole arrow came back. Yeah, the whole oh, arrow okay, okay. came back and landed like on the top of my hand. Oofa, doofa. So I was trying to flip the whole thing up to get it back up onto the bow, and I ended up having to hold my bow up farther than my normal draw length in order to get it up on there. And it didn't even dawn on me that my rest wasn't even up when I draw back. I was oh. like so oblivious to what was happening, but when I drew back something happened with my rest and my rest didn't come up is really what happened later after I ended up drawing my bow back and shooting and my rest didn't work. Um, oh, shit. So this whole of time, time I'm like doing, doing all this movement and this, you know, he's standing there staring at me. I'm just locked right on me, you know, 18, 20 yards. And I'm like, he's facing me. I was like, this is this is just ridiculous. This is a done deal. He's gonna spook. I might just quit. I'm not ever gonna hunt again. You know, at this point, you're just so aggravated. So he turns around and he takes off. And for some reason, he stops at 30 yards again. Like he didn't quite know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And at this point, I was able to get my arrow and stuff back on. But it, like I said, I didn't know what had happened. So I didn't know what was wrong at that point. So. With my rest not up, because there was no way I was going to be able to get down and back up because he was about to spook. With my rest not up, I was able to kind of hold my arrow up with my finger, like with my thumb, and, you know, still at full draw. And he was extremely hard quartering away at 30 yards right on the dot. And so... Normally, which people might bash me for this, you know, if you're not 100% confident, you should not shoot. And in normal circumstances, I wouldn't. But something told me to shoot. I put my pin, my 30-yard pin, right behind the shoulder, and I shot with things not working. (laughs) Holy Um, shit. (laughs) Don't need a rest. This is your thumb. Yeah. It's a drop away. (laughs) I... Shot this deer at 30 yards, and I hit perfectly up and down, but it was not perfect left to right whatsoever. I hit him clear back in the flank area, Um, but it was so – he was so hard quartering away that I knew that I would get gut or liver. Um, So I didn't even – I was so devastated – just for the whole situation of the whole thing, I didn't even look for my arrow, look for the deer, or anything. And I think I was awake the whole night. I called every single person on my phone list, asking for their opinion, sending them footage, sending them this, you know, getting their opinion on if I'm going to find this deer or not. Um, so the next day, I didn't go out till probably midday. I went out and, you know, I was able, I still never found my arrow. I was able to find a trail. You know, I found blood the whole way and everything, but it was just like if the deer was disoriented. So I knew I had made a gut shot at that point because mm-hmm. um, he was he was sick. He was sick bad. So, you know, I ended up getting back out and I'm like, you know, I'm not going to be able to find this deer on my own. So 
I did something I've never done before. I actually called a deer tracking dog. Um, and I have never seen anything so unreal in my whole entire life as what that deer tracking dog did. I never would have found that buck if it wasn't for that dog. And that dog was able to take me to that deer. And the craziest thing was that deer ended up making a circle and coming back to literally almost where I had shot him at. No shit. Damn. Wow. Yep. And he ended up going across the creek and he, and, and I had somebody tell me this, my good buddy, Tyler, he told me, he said, whenever you wound a deer, they always end up going back to where they feel most comfortable. And that's exactly what he did. He went right back to his bedding area where he always came from. Um, and that's where he had found the deer. And that's, that's where he was. And it was just like, it was unreal because I never would have found that deer if it wasn't for that dog. And it was just like, it was the most unreal thing. Finally laying my hands on that deer. It was crazy. That's awesome. That has to have been so, had to have been such a sigh of relief after yeah. all the oh like just mishaps. Like, what the and hell? Like happened. the old saying. The, I mean, it was unreal. Like I just like I dropped everything on the ground and I hugged that dog's owner. You know, and I'm just like I just started like bawling. I was like, I can't help it. I'm just crying. But this is just I cannot <laughs> think. You know. <laughs> That's awesome. They always but return to the was, scene of the crime, man. <laughs> that, that's... Yeah, and you know I'm a firm believer because I had a couple people tell me that, and that's exactly what he did. So he went that's right back insane. to where he felt most comfortable. That is awesome. I mean, it was it was the worst thing ever. I mean, nobody wants to wound an animal. I never want to wound an animal or let an animal suffer, and I hated he had to suffer what he did. Um, but I'm just glad it was finally over. He was on the ground, you know, and everything finally came to an end and i had the deer <laughs> that is awesome that that just goes to show the ups and downs of what bow hunting can run you through mentally because as soon as you think you're on top of the world you're you're right down in the dumps and when you're right down to the oh, dumps yeah. you're back on top of the world or and, everything can be like perfect situation and then you know like your rest or something yeah something just something out of this wrong. world yeah it's something that you know you shoot your bow often and you're like how the hell I mean, wh- exactly. what happened the time when I shot my bow last time to when I'm, you know what I mean? Stuff like that. So, like, I remember yeah, back I in mean, the day, my dad would always have, like, the issue when we always shot peep sights with the tube on them. My dad a couple times yeah. had a big buck in front of him, and his peep tube would fly off. Oh. And he's, like, sitting there, oh, like, man. licking his finger to, like, lick the tube yeah. and then, like, slide it back on and, you know, just shit like that. It's like, yeah. it's just, it's almost just bad timing. Yeah, I had a really shitty rest. And when I every time I pull back, sometimes the air would come off, like she said, like hers did, almost on your hand. Oh, and really? And you have to like put your thumb to push it back on the rest. And oh, I had a bug do that one time. I couldn't get my arrow back on. So, dude, I started with a whisker biscuit. Wasn't uh, nothing messing with that rest. No, <laughs> except my fletchings. Yeah, it ain't, it ain't moving. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's incredible. That's an awesome story. I liked like the just the build up and. It's almost after or at the shot is when the drama happens between like the ups yeah. and downs and the mental. Oh I'm, yeah, I mean it was it was awful. Like I literally got no sleep. I bawled my eyes out most of the night, most of the next day. I mean it was just the worst feeling in the world knowing that you know I could have possibly wounded, you know, the buck that I've been after and been watching for four years, and I'd never find him. I'd never see him again. He'd go off somewhere, and I. You know, nobody would ever recover him or something. You know, all those things right. go through your mind. And then when he's finally there, it's just like 
like a piano comes off of you. <laughs> right? Yeah, no, for yeah, sure. Man. How big was he? Um, he ended up with, like I said, he had a broken brow and a broken um, about a couple inch G four on his one side. He ended up going one fifty eight. Very um, good, awesome, awesome. So. You know, with the with the other couple tines, he probably would have been about 164 with his other two tines if he would have had them. That's a stud. So he he'd actually grown just a few inches. And like I said, when I'm looking at the infrared on that camera, to me he only looked like he was upper 140s, maybe 150s. And here, technically, he was like, you know, a low 160s. That's awesome. That is cool. That's a good story. It sucks it didn't work out just perfect and he came in and smoked him, but yeah. it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be as cool. Yeah, it definitely, like, there was, I mean, I have total respect for that deer, what that deer went through. I mean, he was a tough, tough animal. I mean, he was beat up, run down at that point in time from the rut. I mean, like I said, I even think he had a broken front leg. I mean, he couldn't even walk on his front leg. I mean, he you was did him a favor. shape. Yeah, <laughs> he was, I mean, he had lost a lot of weight from you know the trail camera pictures you know in late october early november to mid-november i mean he lost a ton of weight yeah you definitely did him a favor i bet you that leg is hurting like hard winter might have put him out Hmm. yeah yeah his leg was definitely definitely a mess i mean he couldn't even hardly put weight on it so is this just this buck the taxidermy of him just like the the mount just the centerpiece of your whole house or (laughs) Well, he, him and that other big one, they're clear up on each side of the fireplace. So I have them both up there looking towards each other. But, I mean, he is oh, definitely awesome. always going to be my number one most memorable buck. There'll, be an, there'll never be another buck that I had as much history with as that one. I That's mean, cool. it's Damn. hard to get that many years of history with a deer with a lot of hunting pressure, and especially when you're hunting on 30, 40 acres. I mean, it's almost yeah. impossible. Right, right. They never say never. It, it could happen, but it, it, could, it but the chances of it. Yeah. yeah, send us a picture of those mounts after this if you can. Oh yeah, I I definitely do that. That's awesome. That's cool, man. You have just like the breakdown. You have the experience of the big bucks. You have the work ethic. So, I mean, what's the game plan? Like, what's the goals coming into this season? I mean, really, this season, like I said, I mean, I have you know, I'm working at it you know, all year round, you know, I have mineral and stuff, you know, trying to improve them, you know, I have my big food plot, you know, field with clover and, you know, everything planted, you know, just trying to help things as much as I can. But like I said, I really don't get much activity, you know, during the summer months. Mm-hmm. So I haven't really seen anything exciting. There's one particular deer that I had on camera that made it through last season that will be at least a five-year-old um this year i've had this would be the the third year that i would have had history with him but i wasn't exactly sure how old he was the first time that you know i had him come in i'd say he was three but he may have been four then i'm not 100 percent sure but really that particular deer is the deer i kind of have my eyes set on but he's not a regular Mm -hmm. kind of like my other buck was flyer 10 so i don't know what's going to happen because he usually doesn't show up until later in the season so you know somebody else may harvest him you know but i'm not 100 percent sure right so really i have my mindset on that one but i have a couple other newer properties i'm getting stuff worked on right now so i'm kind of going to see what's going on there so i don't know it just depends 
like I said, sometimes you never know what's going to show up when you go out there. That's part of the fun, I think. Yeah. The the mystery. Yeah. I love the mystery of it. That's like trail cams are amazing, but the mystery is way cooler. Oh, Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, not way cooler. Both is cool. But it added that like anything could be out here. It kept you motivated and like the big question mark of the whole the whole idea of like I could see anything. I don't know. There could be a two hundred incher out here. I don't know. Yeah, you never Dude, know. Really, really. I mean, you don't know because um, my you know really good friend and neighbor he um, he's an older guy. He actually killed a you know a two hundred inch deer on a lease I did the management plan for several years ago, and. Um, it ended up being just over 200 inches, and Jeez. they had never got one trail camera picture of it the whole time. They were on, you know, that lease. They never once got a trail camera picture of it. Never once even seen the deer and knew it existed until <laughs> they found the shed the year before, and it was like a 180s then. And they still never got a trail camera picture of it, and never even laid eyes on it until he had it there in front of him That's in October. Awesome. And he Wild. killed that deer. They never had any history with that deer at all, but he was there all the time. So, you know, trail cameras miss a lot. You know, a lot of big bucks, I do believe, they know where those cameras are and they know their way around them. I think so, too. It's uh, the camera only tells what's in front of that one tree. Yeah, exactly. So, yep. Very cool. Well, that that's an awesome story. I, I think it, it's cool to hear your breakdown. I think you're inspiring to a lot of people out there hunting that want to, I mean, especially with what we talked about here, the breakdown of like, what it takes to learn how to hunt mature bucks or the mindset that it takes to hunt a mature buck like that. Um, hopefully Steve took notes, at least mental I notes. I took, I, I took a lot of mental notes, man. It's, uh, I saw you staring at the ground a couple of times. You were spacing. No, no. One of, one of the most, <laughs> I'm kidding. He was, I think uh, he was focusing. Honestly, he's one picking of the, boogers and stuff, you know, his uh, daily thing. Yeah. I got a huge nose. Way to point that out. I just brought that up. You didn't bring that up. One of the, one of the most inspiring things is when I ask you that question, you know, where were you at mentally that you spooked this, that you might have spooked this buck? Like, would you ever, you know, see him again? And, you know, you were still holding out. So that's a that's a really inspiring thing that you're like, hey, you know, pay, patience is a virtue. Um, I wish yeah, I had more yeah, of it. I mean, it, it really is. And it, it, it paid off. It paid off in a big, big way for you. I think, um, I think that's something that I need to take and just understand. It's like, dude, if you don't get it. Just because you don't get it done every day, just because I'm not seeing deer every day, doesn't mean that they're not there. It's just deer are so wild that you really can't predict them like you think you can. So that's something that I need to take. And if I'm just like, hey, you know, the first couple days, if I'm not seeing deer, it doesn't mean that there's not a giant around that will just come down that trail. That's something that I I am going to take into consideration this season. I really am. Yeah, I I mean, really, really, you know, time and time and patience everything i mean if you don't have patience it's going to be hard because there are some people that can just go out there in their first day and kill a big deer but that's never worked out for me i have to really work at it and really sit there and put in the time and be patient in order you know in order to kill him to kill a mature buck clint casper prime example this guy always is always getting on good deer and was it two years ago when it was January, January, and he six pointer. Yeah, it's like, yeah, dude. Yeah, I've never been that lucky to just have a buck. Like, oh, cool, first day I kill the giant. There I am. (laughs) I've never had that luck, but maybe you know it could happen. (laughs) Any year it could happen. Well, I'm just waiting on that year. So, (laughs) but Emily, thank you so much for coming on the show and telling your story and uh, putting up with us. Did we miss anything? Let people know your Instagram where people can find you. 
Yeah, I mean, my Instagram is just Shad Emily, so it's pretty simple. <laughs> Perfect. All right. We have simple. it linked in the yeah. description of the podcast, and I think that's it. Are we good? Do we miss anything? No, I don't think we really missed anything. I mean, I'll just say, you know, something final. You know, I just, you know, mainly my main goal, you know, is to be a positive role model to women, you know, to let women know that, you know, it is possible to be independent, you know, go out there, put in all the hard work and time and be able to be just as good as guys are out there, you know, and just be, you know, genuine, be real, be yourself, you know, try not to follow the crowd. You know, sometimes when you follow a crowd, it doesn't end up where you want it to go. You know, a lot of times I just try to just, you know, do my own thing. And I think sometimes just doing your own thing and making your own path kind of kind of says it all for yourself that way. So that's just kind of kind of how I do it. I love that. I Absolutely. love that. Don't forget that uh, NSYNC sold more records than the Backstreet Boys, but the Backstreet Boys were better. So don't follow the crowd. Do your own thing. <laughs> Well, wow, somehow that relates. Um, I just wanted to throw something stupid I, in there. I, I, I got to say that I like what Emily said way more than what you just said, but I, I appreciate well, your efforts. If you worded it better, uh, if, if, if I worded it better, you would have liked what I said more. If you knew how to hunt, you would have worded it more similar to how Emily talked. <laughs> yeah, you really had to hunting instead of music. <laughs> Get your head out of your ass, Steve. <laughs> I'm trying, bro. Okay, Emily, thank you. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to force Doug to say something positive because I don't want to ask Steve first. Um, something okay. positive. All right. I got two good bucks in the trail cam ready. Wow, that, that is positive. And the world class bowhunter shoots this weekend, and I'm about to whoop some ass. Oh, Doug's out for blood. <laughs> Steve, uh, how you been? Steve's ass for sure. Dude, something positive. Um, like the lightest I've been weight wise in like nine years, and dude, I'm on the prowl for a big ass deer. <laughs> I thought that was going a different. That's where I'm at, bro. I gotta get I gotta get lighter, man. I'm I'm stepping on twigs and they're snapping with force. So, bro, I need to get like to like 200 pounds so I can get in there quick. All right, I like it, Emily. One, you got anything else positive you want to add? You already dropped a bunch of positivity, and I just figured I didn't know what to do but cut from Steve right to you. So. It, it, <laughs> She's good. All right. <laughs> She's all right. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm good. I think I got everything out. <laughs> all right. Here's my something positive is season is getting closer and closer. The shoot is this weekend, and Steve still sucks. You know what to That's do. That's not positive. Go okay. shoot your positive. bow. We love you. <laughs> Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery, Waypoint TV.